Hey, what's up? This is Gary on with the Get Some Podcast. Before I bring my guest this week, I have to talk about my beloved Cincinnati Bengals because I don't, I don't get to talk about them a lot when they're doing well. It's been a real frustrating season so far. Call me an optimist, but I think we're turning the corner. Uh, we had a brutal schedule in the beginning, and we've been in six, six one-possession games. There's only been two games, which was got blown out by the Baltimore Ravens, and then we kind of like handled Tennessee Titans this weekend. I say we because, yeah, I feel like I'm a part of the team. So that's what it is. Other than that, every game, I believe, has been one possession. San Diego, yes. Both Cleveland games, yes. Uh, Indianapolis Colts, yes. Uh, obviously, we tied the Philadelphia Eagles. Jacksonville Jaguars, um, that was the other win we had. So I want to get this off my chest now because Bengals going to a bye week, and we're about to play the Steelers out of the bye week. So I'm not gonna bring, I'm not gonna bring the Bengals up next week. I want to bring them up now while we're coming off a win, and everybody's hyped up. People in Cincinnati were very jaded fans. We've been burned so many times. So the fact that we have a quarterback we can really get behind, that you can see the game isn't too big for him. I liked Andy Dalton, but Andy's Andy's a good quarterback. Joe Burrow has a chance to be a great quarterback. Pittsburgh is there. Were the I wore my I got a crazy stepdad shirt because we are Pittsburgh's stepchild, and they're an abusive step parent to us. It's been that way for the last fifteen years. Every now and then we beat them, but I man, I'm calling it. I'm freaking calling it. I don't know if you guys remember back in 2003 when the Chiefs were nine and zero. And, Carson, and and John Kitna was the quarterback, and Carson was sitting on the bench, and the Bengals were like, they were like three and five or something like that, three and six. And the Chiefs came to town, and the Bengals beat them. And I, I had a feeling, I was like, they're going to beat the Chiefs. They're going to beat them. And I got that same feeling with Pittsburgh. And we got the bye week. Pittsburgh's got Dallas this week, which should be an easy win. So they should be coming in 8 0, 9 0. 8 0. They'll be 8-0. And uh, Bengals going to Pittsburgh, and I'm calling it. You can mark this podcast down any way you want to do it. I don't care about the point spread. Uh, I think the Bengals going to beat them. Boom. Calling it now. Call me an idiot. Boom. I'm looking at all the cameras. Bengals going to beat the Steelers. They're doing these long, sustained drives now. They're not like – they're not punting. Our, our, our punter, Kevin Huber, has basically had three weeks off. I think he's had like three punts in three weeks. And then uh, – they're just – they're getting these long, sustained drives. And this is classic. Every time the Bengals play, my dad texts me the entire game. And this is usually what I get. Fuck. We suck. What the fuck? I'm, I'm not watching anymore. But he watches every game. He texts me. Bengals had a fourth and four. And they threw the ball. And, and they got the first down. And my dad was like, gutsy call, man. Can't believe it. I was like this. Now, if they would have not gotten that first down – he literally would have sent me a text going, fire Zach Taylor, don't know what the fuck he's doing, da, 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 da. And I had to call him on it. He goes, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. So a couple people I want to give some shine to because I don't think they're getting national shine is Jesse Bates is one of the top five safeties in the league this year. That dude's balling out of control. Obviously, Joe Burrow, and I'm biased, rookie of the year, T. Higgins. I mean, A.J. Green went from – I'm going to get traded to now he's, he's just bought in. He's texting. He's, he's putting the goat emoji next to Burrow, and now you don't hear a peep from him. Now, now I love Carlos Dunlop. Good luck, good luck in Seattle, but if you don't want to be here, you got to get him out of the locker room, and that's what they did. I think they're purging all the people that don't want to be here, and you got to give a head coach three years to make the team his, and that's what Zach Taylor's doing. He's getting all the people out that didn't want to be here and bringing in all the, his people. Got to bring some other offensive linemen in. Shout out to the two guys they got all from, from Seattle and Buffalo. I don't know where they came from, but all of a sudden they play better than the starters, the normal starters. So I just want to give uh, my squad a little shine. Tyler Boyd, one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. Yeah, I'm biased, so what? And I know he wants to beat Pittsburgh. Oh, my God. He's from Pittsburgh, went to University of Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh kid. He's trying to be a dog. I don't know if people realize this. Bengals haven't beat the Steelers. Since 2015, and that was at Pittsburgh, and that was when Williams intercepted Roethlisberger right at the end of the game. I'll never forget that game because I was flying in from Japan, 
and I had a layover at JFK. So I went from Tokyo to JFK. I landed. I go to the Delta Lounge, and thank God Pittsburgh has a big fan base because that happened to be the national game of the week on Sunday. So it was on in the Delta Lounge. And I was, I'm always that lone guy yelling for the Bengals, and nobody joins me. So when he intercepted it, I remember I just screamed, yeah! And like the, everybody in the Delta Lounge was like, <laughs> get the homeless guy out of here because I was looking rough flying from Japan. <laughs> I think I had like slides on. I was flying like a brother. I had the National Black Eye Fly International uh, flight outfit. I had basketball shorts, <laughs> a T-shirt, socks, and slides. Sometimes I don't know what I, – sometimes I'd be seeing brothers walk to the airport and I'd be thinking, are they about to go to a hoop game or are they getting on a plane? <laughs> so that was the last time the Bengals beat the Steelers. Th that has to be like 12 losses in a row, something like that. I think they've lost some enormous amount. It's like 16 in the last 17. It's some ridiculous number. I think we got them this year. I think Steelers going to be 8-0. Nobody's going to be picking the Bengals. And then Burrow's going to be like, uh, welcome to my world, changing the guard. Let's hope. All right, I'm going to bring on my guests now. Enough about the Bengals. <sighs> Bye week. Relax. Take care of your bodies. Don't go to clubs. Stay inside, boys. Go to Athens with Joe Burrow. Nothing's in Athens. Just hang out with his family. Go see a high school football game from the press box by yourself. Separate. Don't go out. All right. Stay inside. Call a girl from high school. Have her come over. I don't know. I don't know if the, I know. I don't know if the Bengals have an assistant or some some kind of liaison that can bring girls over. But let's get some girls tested and have the single guys hang out with them. But don't go out. Don't even go out to eat, fellas. Get a chef. There's plenty of chefs. I got. I got a chef's number. I got two personal chefs in Cincinnati. If you guys need the number, call me. Okay, they'll bring the food to you. Don't go out. All right, I'm bringing on my guest. Enough about the Bengals. Who they, baby? Motherfuckers. All right, my guest this week, after my long bingo rant, ah, is uh, Lord Finesse. If you don't know the face, I guarantee you guys know the voice. Now, I'm about to attempt to sing it, and I don't think it's going to be as effective as when you did it. But uh, it was, check it out now, the funk soul brother right, right about, about now. now. The funk soul brother, check it out now, the funk soul brother right about now. <laughs> The funk soul brother. Yeah, That's Fat Boy Slim, right? Fat Boy Slim. Lord Finesse. This is a hip hop legend. Those of you who don't know Lord Finesse, I don't want to give the wrong because I, I like hip hop, but I'm not a hip hop head, and I don't wanna give you the wrong credits. Like, like you know, he was he wrote Ice Ice Baby. And <laughs> <laughs> He came up with all, all the dance moves for Salt and Pepper's second second video. I so with, with this dude. Now I know you from uh, hanging out with Russell Peters. Right. Russell opens up his doors to me, lets me stay there when I'm in town. Same to you, lets you stay whenever right. you come to town. But you've been in front of this camera, behind the cameras, in front of the mic, behind the right. mic. You got an iconic picture, uh, or it's a video you showed me of you and Biggie Smalls back right. in the day in the studio. Where was that at? Um, that was in Hip Factory when we was doing Suicidal Thoughts. I was producing Suicidal Thoughts. I produced another record called Come On. So this was like the early, early, early big, you know, when Puff was like, yo, man, I got this artist. I want you to work with Biggie, and I'm trying to figure out who's Biggie. Never heard of him, but I mean, as soon as we got in the studio, it all clicked most hilarious, charismatic dude type dude that just ultra funny. Biggie? Yes. I heard that about him. I mean, when, when, when we go to the studio, it wasn't just a session. It was a dice game. It's like he done ordered up a ton of food. It was like everything. So you having so much fun that you forget that you're even in the studio to record a song. So it's like, all right, I'm knock this song out. Shut things down, go in the booth, and really just knock the songs out. Like, he was that professional with it. What what year was this that you uh, first started working with Biggie? Had to be 93, 94. Wow. That, that era. That was right before he was, like, getting ready to blow. Right. Like, I was around when him and Pac was hanging together. Like, that together. situation. Yeah. Wow. Before, hey, you know, now it's the East Coast, West Coast. Nah. I was there very early. Was you were there with Pac and B together in the studio? 
I was there with Pac and Biggie at an event where it was uh, Pac was performing during a showcase at uh, Atlantic Records. He had a showcase for him. And I remember them flipping out in the Palladium because he let Big come and do party and bullshit. They went ballistic. Oh, he's not an Atlantic artist. And Pac ain't care. Look, he my boy. I was there around that time, the early, early years. Wow. So when you saw the, the Biggie movie, did you think it was an accurate depiction? Somewhat, but not, not, not really. Not really. <laughs> not really. It, they had like aspects that say, okay, yeah, but walking in the studio with all the women laid out and nah, it wasn't like that. You was like, nah, that it was dice. It was dice. And food. It was. It was like they they got the idea that it was a type party that we would were having a studio, but it wasn't to the fact that they added the extra stuff for entertainment movie mm-hmm. purposes. And where where were you when you when he when he passed away? I was home. I was I was just home, just kind of shocked. I was shocked that he even came out here during that time with so much tension. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why would he go out there during that time, you know? And if you're going to have him, at least have him in all types of bulletproof stuff, like cars and, you know, make sure he's good. Mm-hmm. And you was in New York? Yeah, I was in New York. After that, how did you how did you become the voice of the song that I just uh, tried to sing very bad? Well, the <clears throat> song was taken from an intro that I did for Sean and Mike. They had a little label, and they wanted me to do an intro. So the intro was like, right about now, you tuned in to no other than the funk soul brother, and check it out now. And it's like they took the intro and chopped it into what we hear now. So you wasn't, you was never in studio with Fatboy Slim? No. They took it off a record and chopped it like I was there. So how does that work in the music business? Do, <clears throat> for people that don't know. So they take your voice, right. chop it into a song. Mm-hmm. Do you get, like, negotiate the money? Like, you need, I need this much they to use my voice? They got all slick, right? Because the way they did it was, it's like, I got you on a hook to my, my song, but you never send me the actual song. So negotiating by what I'm thinking. See, if you take a hook in hip-hop, it's four to eight bars. It's a hook. 16 bars, the hook, another 16 bars. They didn't let me hear the record, so I negotiated in that thought pattern, not knowing that my voice was the whole record. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I didn't get nowhere nearly what I should have got, but, you know. Do you still get checks today from it? No, not from that. Dang, so every time it's played, you're just like, damn, that's just my voice. Yeah, it's just like you have to really understand what you're getting into. Like like I said, they got me by not letting me hear it and me thinking like, oh, okay, it's just a hook. All right, I ain't going to really hit y'all hard for the hook. Mm-hmm. When in actuality, if you hear the whole song, oh, it's the whole song. Yeah. So I think, yeah, you have to really be careful and definitely definitely check out what they're going to put your voice on because you'll never know how it'll end up. Now, you you were born in Atlanta, right? No, I was born in Bronx, New York. Bronx. Did you grow up in Atlanta? No. Well, let me tell you something. Wikipedia is full of shit. Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia's got you born in Atlanta. <laughs> the funny thing... Because I'm trying to research you. I'm like, okay, let me make sure I'm prepared and stuff. Well, I feel like an idiot right now. Thank you, Wikipedia. Yeah. Unless, um, there's, a, unless there's another Lord Finesse I don't know about. No, nah, that's definitely not another Lord <laughs> Cause I, Finesse. Because every time I know you, <clears throat> I mean, I know you like six months now, but um, like your voice, your inflections is born and bred New York. Right. So when I saw I go Atlanta, I go, I don't see him being born in Atlanta, raised in Atlanta. I was born in the South Bronx, Marisania part of the Bronx, right? So when I say I grew up with Fat Joe, you know, since we were childhood friends, Diamond D, uh, show, and we all formed a group called DITC, which is me, Show and AG, Diamond, Fat Joe, another artist by the name of OC, uh, producer Buck Wow, and can't forget I discovered the legendary Big L. How did you discover him? 
I was doing an autograph signing. So I was doing an autograph signing. He comes in the store, him and his boy. So he sends his boy over. He's too cool. So his boy come over. Yo, my dude right here wants to rhyme for you. And I'm like, I heard this story before. So I'm like, yo, I'm going to give you my manager's number. You chop it up with him. So, boom. He goes back to Al. Al sends the dude back. He said, fuck that. He rhyme for you now. And if you don't like him, he'll never bother you again. So, I mean, he up the ante. I'm like, okay. Well, rhyme for me. So I, I, I kid you not, when he finished rhyming for me, I was asking for all his numbers. Like, you know, so what's your, you got a beeper number? And what's the home <laughs> number? He was, he was just that incredible. What year was this? That was <clears throat> 91. Yeah, because you said beeper. Beeper, 91. <laughs> yeah, that's just telling the years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're in the hip-hop business. Making, with comedians, we got people all the time. Now we're in a social media age where they'll be like, yo, I'm funny, man. You got to put me on. I'm the funniest motherfucker out there. Is it like that the same way in hip-hop? People are like, yo. Man, it's, it's even worse in hip-hop because like attention is the new drug. I could be just on a live doing my walks in the morning. I, you know, and I tune into my live and I talk to my fans while I'm doing it so they can see the process. So... People are requesting to be on the live, and it's like, yo, what do you have to talk about while I'm walking? Mm-hmm. I don't even know, because you'll turn on and hit that live button, you don't know what you're getting into. <laughs> you could get into all types of trouble. So you got, yo, I'm nice. I just want to rhyme for you. And I remember one dude was just so annoying, like, said, all right, all right, I know what I'm going to do put you on, but the minute you say something I don't like, I'm going to hit that X button. That's what you said? Yeah. Put him on live. He actually was good. Mm-hmm. People all in the live gave him the thumbs up, so I'm thinking maybe I should do that more often, but I don't know. That live is weird. You ever go live and just choose people at random? No, I, I don't risk it. I don't risk it at all. Now, the only thing I've gotten is um, I've had a couple of people, they'll, they'll go on their live, they'll go on their social media after mm-hmm. running into me, and I don't know, they'll just, I remember one guy in some city, he, he, he was trying to be a stand-up, and he saw me at a movie theater. I walked in, I was going to see a movie, I just went there, and he went nuts in the theater. He was like, oh, snap, Gary Owen, I tried to blow your spot up, and I was like, you just did. And he was just so loud, and I'm trying to just relax, and I'm, I'm being polite to him, but I'm not giving him the energy he's giving me. Right. So I just kind of left it alone, and I think he felt it, so he started to back down a little bit, and then he went on his live saying, he went and saw me the night before, I ain't that funny, I ain't shit, oh, uh, the wow. fans, I'm what make them, and I'm like this. I go, well, I, I, didn't, well, I don't know what the reaction you want, like, and I'm sure it's like that with you too. Like, It's like, I don't know if you come at me loud, am I supposed to return loudness with loudness also we're yelling in the movie theater (laughs) i mean being out in public and stuff that happened Mm. like i normally in the city i don't care i'll take the train Mm. oh a fan stopped that just totally you know Mm. crowded train you know i'm in the corner sitting in the corner just chilling on my way uptown i take the train i don't care then he like crane train is packed Oh, shit! Lord Finesse! <laughs> Whole train look at me. So I'm like, damn, man. And people looking. And I guess he was with his girl. Oh, you still do that music shit? Yo, he was nice! <laughs> train still looking. I'm just like, oh, man. So, yeah, man. You know, my boy rhyme, and, and I want to hook up with you. And it's just like, I never took the train again after that. That was it. <laughs> One guy ran you off the train? Yeah, that it was just, you know, I'm laid back. Oh, I know. I was I'm, nervous about you ha- I was nervous about you coming on the show. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm laid back. So I don't I don't care about attention. Yeah. But that type of attention, oh shit! The whole train just woof. It really is like the uh we always say it's the approach. And then he's talking to you like like medieval, like, you still do music? Like <laughs> Like, like it was 
way back. Like, yeah, yeah, of course I still produce. I still do what I do. I just happen. I'm just normal. I, I want to take the train sometime. I want to be amongst regular people. I mm -hmm. like fitting in amongst regular people just to see certain things that give me ideas, vibe. But nah, no no train no more. I take the bus into the city sometime yeah. now. Yeah, no more. See, I go, to, I go to Salt Lake City when I want to be around because nobody stops me there because no black people. So... <laughs> I get, when I go to get away, I go to Montana, Salt Lake City, and the Dakotas. Oh, <laughs> and nobody bothers me, Lord Finesse. Yeah, nah, we, <laughs> all, all. we all know you. Hey, what's up? This is Gary Owen, and I'm here to tell you guys about my bookie. Now, look, if you want to bet on anything, football, basketball, baseball, cricket, presidential election, who's going to get voted off Big Brother? Yes, that show's still on the air. Go to my bookie. Use the promo code Gary Owen. That's my name. It's, I thought it was on my shirt, but it's not. Gary Owen, G-A-R-Y-O-W-E-N. Yes, I like doing promos and using my hands to talk because that keeps your attention. And use your hands to type in my bookie. See how I put that two together? God, I'm a beast at this. So anyways, again, go to my bookie. Bet, I, I'm giving you guys inside track here. Bet on the Bengals beating the Steelers next week. I'm just letting you know if you want to make a lot of money, go to my bookie, put all your money, sell your house, put it all up on the Bengals. I wouldn't go that far. Maybe like your daughter's car. That's it's probably not worth that much anyways. So anyways, uh, my bookie promo code Gary Owen. Do it right now. We was talking on the way over here. Uh, you was on tour with Ice T back in ninety one. Ninety one. Is that the is that when Cop Killer was out? Or is that before? That was just before Cop Killer. I mean, Ice is probably one of the smartest, smartest entrepreneurs I ran across. Cause whatever he thought about, he just put it in motion. So when he signed me, I thought I was getting that mentorship. Cause I'm like, okay, I'm with Ice now. He knows I'm a street rapper. Maybe he can mold me into the artist I need to be. You know, I at least get the label to do the right things with me. But right there, he had New Jack City, then he had Ricochet, then he had the group Body Count, then he he just exploded into so many different realms. And then to see him on television now, Law and Order, it's like, wow, this is... I mean... But it's nothing I feel Ice can't do. He was just that driven. And his his... His talk game is crazy, so you definitely need to have him on the show. Well, he was he was he was pimp, right? Yeah, I don't uh, know, a certified pimp, but right. he had pimp tendencies. He had pimp tendencies, <laughs> and you know, he his, his street game, his knowledge is is just un unmatched from anybody I've ever met, and how he talk it and can translate it into that world mm -hmm. of even even how he got his deal was running into an exec and just talking and got a deal. His record deal? Yes. He just ran into somebody. Yeah. That's crazy. That New Jack City still holds up to this day. And that New comes Jack on, you City, just get hype. New Jack City was a, it was it was it was dope. That was the one. It was dope. I remember being there doing a scene where they was in what Red Zone in New York, the club <laughs> with Nino Brown walking with the two chicks. I was there mm -hmm. watching that scene go down. And I was also in a video that people probably never get, all in the same gang. It was like a West Coast version of Stop the Violence. Mm -hmm. We all in the same gang. And he filmed his part in New York, and I was walking on the side of him in the video. So people thought I was on the West Coast, but he actually shot his part in New York. And people go back to that day, was that you walking on the side? <laughs> I'm a young dude, you know, with the fade in the half moon and he gave me a little speaking part it wasn't in my voice but it yeah. was dope and you said now we were talking about like obviously you're producing but you're DJing and that you still on how do you, how do you go from like want to be not want to be you, you're rapping no you're right and I then mean. and then you're DJing and you're like you, that's really your your money winner right now is DJing on the road right like you're killing it that and still production, still production, based off of the new production I'm doing and the revenues that come in for the stuff I already did back in the year. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, Fat Boy Slim thing is another story, but you know, working with Notorious Big on Ready to Die, working with Dr. Dre on Chronic 2001, I did a song called A Message on there, and working with a bunch of artists from back then, those, every time that get played, stream, whatever, that still works. So that DJing, but DJing is, a, is something that I always wanted to do from a child. Because mm-hmm. DJs was the superheroes growing up. Before rappers was mm-hmm. the, you know, you had Grandmaster Flash, Grand Wizard Theater. I mean, we going back, cool, hurt. They were superheroes. So then when, you know, when they was coming out and they wanted to play music, they come with the big speakers, like outside, broad daylight, play music. Hold on, hold on. So they're just setting up speakers like on the side of the street? No, it wouldn't be inside the street. It'd be in a park. Okay. <laughs> it's like, it just come out the stoop with the speakers. Yeah, but they would come out, set up, and they would call what they would call with jams. Play music, and you've seen some of the greatest DJs spin in those years. So that's what I felt I wanted to do. Like, wow, because DJs had all the women. DJs mm-hmm. had the power because it gives the power to rapper. All right, I'll let you rap tonight. Like, you rappers wasn't... Like, yo, I'm just going to get on. And DJ had to let you get on. Mm-hmm. And they had the speakers, had the rope set up, and, you know, just the power of being behind the ropes. They said, yo, get from under the ropes. Not welcome here. Wow. It was it was like territory like that in that little. So if a DJ's spinning, right? You're mm-hmm. in the park, DJ's spinning, and somebody comes on like, I want to rap. Now, does they come with their own beats, or they're just freestyle rapping and the music stops? No, the DJ will have to spin for them. Now how do you, how are you gonna know what the the music is? That hey, you he's gonna, gonna work it you out. You have to be ready for Dang. any like that's like somebody calling you and putting you on the spot in the club. Hey, Gary, oh, we got Gary, bring Gary up here. Yeah, <laughs> and you gotta be ready right there and then. Yeah. So whatever routine or whatever you had in your head, you gotta be ready right there. So they coming up, they're just freestyling basically. Right. In the middle of the park. Right. And whatever like, beat he comes up with. As a rapper, you waiting if you call me tonight, I'm ready. The downside is if he don't call you tonight, you waited all night. Yeah. And then your friend said, what happened? Why I ain't let you on? Oh, he was fronting on me. You know, <laughs> you get that. But, yeah, it's just being on ready at any given time. And how did you I see, like, I know music, obviously, not the extent of you and then Russ. How did you get to know Russell? I got to know Russell because Russell would do a lot of shows in New York. And Russell would even have after parties in New York. He'd do a show and have after parties with all the rappers. And I got invited so many times. And I just never showed up for one reason or another. It had nothing to do with Russ. It's just I'm doing whatever I'm doing. And then I remember one of my friends telling me, yo, Russ really wants you to come. And I felt bad because it's like, I don't want this dude to think I don't like him. I was just busy. So... I really took time out one time and said, I'm really going to go to the show. Called my boy. We're going to go to the show. We're going to go catch Russell Peters. So go to the show. Kills the show. Demolishes the show. And he's DJing? No. Comedy. Oh, okay. Comedy. I'm sorry about he's that. He's doing comedy. Okay. So I'm sitting there going, wow, this dude's funny. So, you know, I'm ready to go. And then, you know, I think his friend Paul Peck was like, yo. Yeah, Russ wants to see you, you know, we backstage, and I was like, oh, okay. Go backstage, meet Russ. So, you know, Russ is the most genuous, down-to-earth person you'll meet for somebody of his status, for me anyway. So I met him, and then he was talking about, yo, I'm having, my birthday is coming up, I'm having an event in the city. So I went from that to the birthday, then he had something in Toronto, then he had something and I will always go, and I mean, he's basically like my brother now. Yeah, he's so generous. Right. Because so, I was, I was uh, when I started doing the podcast, and I've told him many times, I asked, he was one of the first people I wanted to have on. Right. And then he said, uh, you know, where are you staying at when you come out to L.A.? I said, I'll just get a hotel. He goes, man, stay in the house. Right. I got room. I was like, huh? And that's, right. where, that's where we met. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? We met that first time I went to his house, and you... Got that whole DJ set up. Whenever I'm at the house and you're there, it's like you got a private DJ session. Oh, I yeah. had you on my IG last night. Yeah, he had me a last night DJ. That's what I do. Like when I'm bored in the house, I'll go get on the turntables and just vibe. I'll be on Instagram live, and sometimes Russell come in 
And people, oh, he's with Russ. Let Russ get on the turntables because Russ DJs. You know, he's into it. So mm. being there is just like, this is my first time I've ever been in Cali this long, though. Mm-hmm. Usually I'm in and I'm out. This is like, hey, what's in New York? I'm like, well, you know, nah, stay out here. Just kick it for a while. So I've been kicking it for a while, and it's different. Different, different than New York, LA? Of course. What you like? What city you like better? Well, I'm New Yorked out. I've been in New York over 40 some years, 50 years, you know. So I'm New Yorked out. What's, uh, you mean out like good or bad? Like I'm repping them to the like, end or I've had enough? Like I'm just, it's not the New York that I was raised in. Yeah. This new New York is, is different. Mm hmm. And I think when you get older and I'm in the cut and I'm laid back, I I crave the the, the quiet, the silence. So mm. being here, I get that. Take my walks in the morning. So I'm to a point where, you know, peace of mind. That's where mm. I'm at. New York is loud. You have to be ready at any given time to deal with the attitudes and the different personalities. And I'm done with that. Because mm. I'm I'm in a positive mode, and it's easy to get dragged into. Because you're gonna adapt. I can adapt to the environment. Don't mean I want to, but when you given a certain energy, you know how to dish it back. But it's different in Cali. I like this vibe. Cool. When COVID's done, and we talked about this, we both had it, right? Right. And we kept it low key. Right. Like I think. Uh, a lot of people they run to social media when they catch the COVID or Corona. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want that attention at all. all right, we just found out this morning. We were talking, right? And you was like, "Yeah, I had." It. I said, "Yeah, I had it too." Right. But I did. I just kept to myself, quarantined, and dude, I never went on social media and told anybody. In fact, it's probably the first time anybody's ever known. Uh, same same with you, right? And I was like, it's funny how our bodies just react completely different. Like my experience was completely different than your experience. Right. So with me, it was just, I, I felt like I was always about to get sick, but I never really got sick. Right. And then uh, I think eight days from when I tested positive to negative, it was gone. And it just, I wasn't too bad. It was just. Right. I think it's just the same thing. But me. But you I said you just, had it rough for, for a couple of days. I was, I, was, I was tired a lot. I was tired and I didn't have an appetite. I didn't have the fever. I didn't have certain things that's associated with it. It was just me being tired and not wanting nothing to eat. And at the same time, when it finally kicked in, then it became a breathing thing where mm. if I took a deep breath, I, it would be a whole nother, a whole mm. nother world. Did, like, you, did you keep your taste and, and smell? I kept my taste smell. Yeah, I did too. I just wasn't hungry. So it was like mainly liquid and fruits, and that's all I had. And a mm-hmm. bunch of my, you know, my black seed oil, echinacea, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc. I had the whole layout. The, <laughs> man. Yeah, CVS? Mean, yeah. CVS I Pharmacy? Had, I had it. I had it all. So I was really on, on top of it. But it was something like, well, you know, and I tell people, it's like, if it happens to you, you know, just be prepared. Like, this mask, you could wear the mask. You just never know how you're going to get it because we was both talking and yeah. we both not understanding how we both got it. Yeah, I think you gave it to me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was fine. And then I started hanging out with you and Russ. And, nah, and, but nah. that, that's what you said. You got it. And you was, when you got it, you was in close proximity with Russ and some other people when you found out, and then you quarantined. Right. I was the same way when I got it. My wife never got it, and my son never got it. So right. you got three people in my house. I was like this. They never tested positive. I was like this. How does nah, that happen? None of my friends, none of my friends tested positive. None. Just me. None. Oh, oh I, gave, I gave it to everybody. I gave it. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't give it to my wife and son. I, I literally gave it to everybody in my crew. Because when I found oh, out I had it, I told gosh. everybody, I said, dude, I... I just tested. Everybody get tested. Everybody came back like, I got it. I got it. I go, oops. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was a super spreader. 
I might have gave it to you. I'm sorry. Nah, I, you might have. You <laughs> that was a long while ago. Uh, I had to take a couple weeks off. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's just something you're gonna have to deal with. And we was talking that everybody talked this vaccine. Wait till the vaccine. The vaccine. I'm, I don't know what y'all putting in that. But nobody tells you what you could take to build your immune system to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't seen one doctor, one media outlet, one nothing tell you what you could take to fight it. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, take echinacea, take uh, oil of oregano, take zinc, take this, take this, take this. You, call, you talk to the same people I talk to. Right. That's the, that's the oil of oregano? Right. Man, that's like the magic syrup. If you're right. feeling bad, put that in your water, mix that in with something. Oh. But they don't tell you this. They just wait for the vaccine. Like, like they all got interest in stocks and the vaccine mm-hmm. and so I don't trust it. You got people that teach you how to cure yourself with natural herbs and certain things. And they try to discredit Dr. Seabee. Mm-hmm. But y'all have no problem with a billionaire with no knowledge of medicine helping create a vaccine that also believes in depopulation. Right. So somebody that believes in depopulation telling you they're going to fix something that's going to cure the world. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So I'm not a conspiracy theorist or nothing. I'm just looking at certain factors. Well, there was no money in Dr. CB. There was no money to be made. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, regular, wait a minute. Everything comes from the earth? Regular stuff from the earth. Yeah. Ah, oh, he's not no real doctor. No, yeah. don't listen to him. And <laughs> it's proven what he's done. Uh-huh. But now it's like, hey, you know, what's this dude, uh, the billionaire, telling you, uh, yeah, we're going to, um, Gates, we're mm-hmm. going to make this vaccine. And then the, the scariest part about it, now imagine we're going to make this vaccine, but the blacks and Hispanics got to take it first. That sounds crazy. That you creating something that's going to cure everybody, but a certain race got to take it first. Nah. Right. Anybody with common sense go, man, fuck out of here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> the Crazy. fuck out of here. So, you know, we in this pandemic and, you know, life has changed in so many different ways. So just your way of living, just having to have a, a mask all the time. I keep a mask on me like... Mm. I keep a mask on you like you keep condoms now. You might as well put it in your wallet. <laughs> like, but you know is... what's it, you know what's gonna be like? Eventually this this will pass, eventually, right? Everybody says yeah. this is our new way of life. I don't believe that. Eventually we're gonna get back to no mask and we'll we'll figure out. It could be a year from now. I don't know. So what do people do? They get in the mask, summertime getting the mask with the you know, getting the pool with the water. Well, it's you know, you know what it's gonna mask be mask on? It's gonna be I once once we it runs through the, the world, basically, whether it's we find the cure or it just runs its course. I think people are going to, it's going to be like getting released from a POW camp, like those movies right. where the guys have been locked up, or, or like the Tom Hanks movie where he was on the island, a Castaway. Right. Remember, he came back to society and he still wanted to sleep on the floor because that's, he'd been sleeping on the beach in the, the cave for right. so long, the bed. That's going to be like, you're going to be like walking around like, I don't know if it's okay to take off my mask. You know what I mean? We used to travel to Japan, travel to Japan all the time, and we would see people with masks and make jokes. It's this mask thing. And now we actually live in what they've been living. Only mm-hmm. thing is we're not following no rules. It's, it's just crazy. Well, I was in Tampa last week, and I think that city has the cure because <laughs> nobody had a mask on. <laughs> it was Halloween. I took it, I put on my Instagram story. They let uh, the, the comedy club, there's, if you've been to, you've been to Tampa before, have you? Right. There's that Ebor City. Right. And it was Halloween, and there was a bunch of young people out. I got to hang out on a balcony so I could oversee the chaos. I literally was looking around like, uh, no, the only people that had masks on was Halloween masks. There was wasn't it. no mask. It was martial law out there. I was like, Tampa didn't give a fuck about <laughs> this disease at all. I mean, I, I keep that, I keep the mask with me. Like, 
So if you go to Everything. DJ, you're going to have a mask or the whole crowd's going to be a mask. <laughs> That's a good one. I haven't been summons to do no clubs or no big outside events or anything like that, but How's your friends holding up like that are in the 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 rap business? Like they can't tour anymore. This is where your creativity of being a hustler comes into play. Mhm. If you don't know how to hustle and you waiting for somebody to give you something or certain people are waiting for this to get back to normal, you're going to be waiting for a while. You're going to have to come up with a way outside of waiting. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm fortunate to still be able, you know, I run my own business, run my own production company, so doesn't affect me. I wasn't even planning on touring this year. I actually, my dates got canceled. I was in Paris. I was supposed to do Paris, Belgium, Norway, London, Spain, and Italy. And DJing? Uh, no, I was or performing. Performing. As the artist. Right. And I got, that was literally beginning of March. Everything just started getting canceled. Mm-hmm. Like Paris literally got canceled. My gig there got canceled 30 minutes before I got there. Wow. So I'm like, all right, well, London is sold out, so I'm just going to wait till I hit London. Everything getting canceled, telling my DJ we're going to go hang out in London till gig, and then we're going to fly home. And then this idiot did that travel ban stuff where if you don't get home a certain time, you basically Gilligan's Island out there. Yeah. You're going to be <laughs> stranded. So I had to jump on the plane and, and come back, and then I was just home. And then one day, how the Instagram whole DJing on Instagram, I was bored. Mm-hmm. So I see these DJs doing this, and I got my setup here. Let me play around, just show people what I, what I do. And then that opened up a whole nother realm where... You know, I got followers and people that just tune in. Every Saturday I do what you call a Saturday brunch. It could be jazz. It could be yacht rock. It could be soul. It could be... Yeah, I listen to it. You had a little, little, little river band yeah. on there. <laughs> I, I play everything because I know everything. So my sets is different from other DJs. I'm a collector. I have over mm-hmm. 10,000 records. So my knowledge of music is very vast. It's very... When you go over to Europe, me being a stand-up, I've done shows overseas, but it's usually been military bases right. other than England. Do you find their crowds more receptive or louder? The energy's crazy. Cause I, I saw the game on social media. He did a big European tour, right? And I shot him a text just saying, uh, "How is it over there?" And he was talking about, "Yo, it's the the energy's way." It's way more energetic than the States, basically. Well, the States is like, we call the States the spoiled capital. Because you get rap, you get all these things here every day, all day. So when you go into a spot like Germany or France where they don't get to see you or or you go into spots they don't get to experience what we experience here, they come out in masses to Mm. support. And you can't do what you do here like... You know, artists will come here, get on stage, do 10, 15 minutes, and, okay, good night, bye-bye. Nah, you better be ready to do an hour. In Europe. In Europe. They're not, you try some 15 minutes in Europe, they're going to boo, they're going to throw stuff at you. They, like, Europe and Japan embrace the culture of hip-hop. So no matter who's top 40 here, it doesn't take away from the great artists that were from in the past, like maybe it'd be uh, Mob Deep or or certain artists from the past, they're still celebrated like The Temptations and Gladys Knight mm-hmm. and certain artists are celebrated here. That's how it goes in Europe and Japan. It's just here, things is moving and it's always new, 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 new. So they don't really embrace some of you know the 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 pioneers the trailblazers that made it possible it's new who's the newest who's the youngest who who got the views who got this who got that and europe and japan 
They want the culture. They want, oh man, we we could get uh, Snoop out here. I mean, Snoop is big here, mm-hmm. but Snoop is massive out there, you know. But certain artists that aren't big as Snoop that go out there, you could live. You can really. I've known artists that packed up and actually living out there. Mm-hmm. I can do like a month, but after that, I come back to United States. It's like, yeah, it's. Especially Japan. That's you mind-boggling to Japan? me. Yeah, but I've done military bases. I've well, never. You gotta go to a club in Japan and watch what they play. Watch what they wear. Like you, the only thing I think that's different in Japan, especially like Shibuya. Have you ever been to Shibuya? Oh yeah, Shibuya. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my spot. If you've been if you've been to Shibuya, they embrace the culture. They wear the Adidas, they wear the Nikes, they wear the music, everything. The culture is it's like you there. It's just a language difference. Only problem with Japan is I tried to go shopping and they didn't have my size anywhere. Oh no, nah, no, nah, they, they. I went to a shoe store because they had they had like shoes I'd never seen before. Right. And I was like, Yo, can I get a twelve? We stop at nine. I was like, Jesus Christ. Uh, the t-shirts, the t-shirts, that'll probably be like a 5X in Oh, Japan. I couldn't, I tried, I couldn't buy anything. And then the one time I did buy something, I came back and it was a knockoff. Somebody got called me out, like, those ain't real true religions. <laughs> it's like 12 years ago. It was literally, <laughs> it was, the emblem was a little off. Oh, <laughs> it was <man>. fake religions. <laughs> but yeah, I think traveling globally opens your mind because you see how other people live. Because you can't leave it to the television. The television to show you what they want you to mm-hmm. think this spot is like. Like, okay, a spot's in Africa that's crazy, that's ghettoed out. And there's beautiful spots that got, you know, the, the greatest architectures. And, and But, you know, leave it up to the media. They're going to show yeah. you the ghetto parts all day. It's important. I, I always said that when you have kids... You, it's important to, to travel with your kids. Don't just get stuck right. in, in a small town because then your way of thinking is small. Right. And if you travel, it expands just everything. I always took my son and his two buddies. We did this thing called a brocation. Mm-hmm. From like 12 on, every summer, we took like four or five days and we went to a different city. And just so they could see, like we went to Portland, we went to Orlando. We, we went to the Bahamas one time. It's important because people that travel, you mm-hmm. come back and you can have like real conversations with them right. and they're open-minded and they'll listen. You can always tell who's global and who's local because mm-hmm. the stories that you tell of you're traveling is just like stuff you see in or hear in brochures. Or, you know, oh, man, it was like that. So traveling, I think... Uh, was there a city that you, uh, was, you didn't expect much and you were surprised? When you went overseas? I think my first time in London. Because, you know, I'm like New York or, you know, at our at our time, it's so racial. It was all types of stuff going on. I was listening to Farrakhan. I was Nation of Islam. Like, that was in my mind. So I'm thinking, you know, white people, you know, and you know, New York, a lot was racist, you know, mm-hmm. in my areas anyway. And then when... You travel out to London and, you know, stage come up. I'm performing in front of three to 5,000, you know, white people, Caucasians. You know, they English. And they know my words to my song, song, word for word, song for song. It was mind-blowing mm-hmm. because I'm, and that's why I tell people you have to travel because my mind would have still been locked on how we treated in America, thinking everybody is like that. But when I went to to London and man, I got a standing ovation and it was it was wow. So I came back with a whole different mindset. And traveling taught me that so what? If you're not big in America, you could still be great somewhere else. People want to be the kings of their town and the king of this and the king of that. And if that don't work for them, they kind of give up here. But music is global. It's not mm-hmm. local. It's global. So when you travel and you get to see how your music affect people in other parts of the world, hey, you come back here with a whole different mentality. 
I'm the same way when I see 3,000 white people that know my jokes. I'm like, whoa. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but then. Uh, but you couldn't, even though you, you, you love it over there, I mean, you said you still, United States or New York, LA, it's still home. Yes. When you come back. Uh, it's home. Like, I can, I've thought about it. I've thought about if this dude went another four years thinking about going to Canada or somewhere overseas because, you know, it, it's different. I, I might need a change of, because this is straight Canada anarchy. isn't that different than the United States. love Canada. Yeah, it's love Toronto. amazing. I mean, I was going to Toronto before, but now it's just like if I you go get with a Russ. plane ticket. Yeah, Russ is like. He's the king. Yeah, he's God. It's like Drake and Russell Peters. Exactly. That's it. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, and then you got Vince Carter. <laughs> no, nah, you got, no, what's this dude? Tory Lanez from out there now. Right? I wouldn't say he's the king of Toronto right now. Nah, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't say he's the king, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he make noise out there. Yeah, it's the wrong noise right now, though. <laughs> I'm not messing it's, with you. It's a gunshot noise. I'm not messing with you. <laughs> well, shoot. Uh, what is your, what's your social media so people know where to see your Sunday brunch and... Social media is Law Finesse DITC, um, at Law Finesse DITC. And that's, uh, that's Twitter. That's, uh, that's even Facebook. They all go on the same tag. So when you're doing your Sunday brunch live, is it, is it going to everywhere? Or is it's just Saturday, Instagram? Saturday brunch. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. My fault. Saturday I, I fucked this whole interview up. I thought you were from Atlanta. I said your Sunday brunch. You're like this. This dude don't know me. I'm sorry. I thought Eminem was coming on. He's no. back there. <laughs> I've seen it. What's this, your... is, this, is, this is dope. Well, that's the... It's uh, Larry Bird, Eminem and me. Those are three white guys that did very I was well. I'm trying to figure out who this is. Oh, come on, man. Like. Why is everybody about to bag on me? What the fuck? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so those are three white guys that did very well in black-dominated genres. And, and what does this stand that's for? That's Cincinnati right? Bengals, baby. That's the stadium. That's what we're normally at, but we're about to turn the corner. That's this, what I was This is going to be say. packed. When was we that? We're gonna switch this shit once we go to the playoffs. Well, what year was that? Well, I don't that know. now? No, no, no. That's the old stadium. That's okay. Riverfront. That's right. the old stadium back in the day. I don't know what year that was, but that's don't, that's definitely Riverfront. That's don't not the worry, new stadium. I, I used to be a Knicks fan, so I know the pain. I You're not a Knicks pain. fan no more? No, I had to go to rehab and get that out of my system. <laughs> Who you root for now? I, I just like basketball. I don't really, you know. Who's your favorite player of all time? Ooh, you had to throw that in there. Of all time, mm-hmm. I don't want to say Jordan. Jordan is too cliche-ish. But if he, I mean, he is pretty good. He's great. I would say I would say LeBron. But this is more than basketball. Mm-hmm. So greatest player I'm talking about, rounded off. I would say LeBron. Yeah. Not just basketball, but the things he do, the message he spread, and mm-hmm. and the the doors he's opening, and uh, he got players thinking differently now because mm-hmm. when he came in just how he chose his deals and everything ain't go the right way you know with the way he did when he first left cleveland it still wasn't they they act like he's some like right well you know he just fucked everybody over i said no he gave everything he had to cleveland to try right. to bring you a title and made you relevant and made a ton of people money in right. that city and he went to Miami. That's and- what. That's where I think it went wrong. I think it went to a fact that we can offer him the most, so he's he's not going nowhere. And that was the attitude until he left. You know, so you're probably saying, okay, we can offer him the money. He ain't going nowhere. So you just shun him and you're doing your deals and you're getting things right because you don't think he's going nowhere. And then he leaves and it's like, wait up, you leaving? Mm-hmm. Where you should have had all eyes on him until you closed that deal, got the ink on the contract, then you worry about everything else. But mm-hmm. you, he showed that it's it's not about money all the time, and that's what that's why I like him as a player because he's he's diverse. If he sees something, he want to do something. He's just showing players you could just be more than a basketball player. Well, it's also he doesn't. They act like he's going to these super stacked teams. Right. He's, dude, Cleveland was terrible when he got there the first time. They were terrible when he got there the second time. Right. And he goes to the final. The Lakers were terrible 
when he got there. But the there. blessing was Kyrie Irving. I will say that. Good. But Ky- they never went to the playoffs with Kyrie. That That is true. But him being that person, because what he, I think with that playoffs, he had, he had Steph having to work. Steph couldn't just be instant offense. You know, mm-hmm. he was that, but now you got to guard up on Kyrie. Mm-hmm. It have to be – so you kind of get his focus off of just offense. You got to D up. That that costs energy, you know, and that big shot Kyrie hit, that three-pointer. Mm-hmm. It was big. I, I give all the credit to LeBron, but Kyrie deserves a lot in that that. That title run? Chip. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not discrediting Kyrie at all. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that for an organization – I've never seen any player, as soon as he gets there, they become relevant, and they're a title right. contender, is LeBron. It's, no, there's by, by nobody all, you, else. You got that to just how many finals, just somebody that can come to the team and you know you're a contender. Going to the finals, yep. you get every coin worth with LeBron. He never had, he never had the, uh, the legendary head coach either. Right. I think Spolstra is showing... That motherfucker can coach. What right. he did with the Heat now, you know, but it, he didn't have that that Phil Jackson that right. knew him inside and out that could put all the right pieces together. No, LeBron puts the pieces together. Yeah, he knows who he could play with. He yeah. knows who he's compatible with. Mm-hmm. And like I said, for a team, let's say Cleveland, you got your money's worth. And then let's something. say, right, Miami, four years. Four finals. Right. You got your money's worth. If he decides to do whatever he wants to do, you got what that contract said. Mm-hmm. Now, if he don't want to sign and you kind of saw it to you, okay. But you got while he was there, you got your mm-hmm. money's worth. The Lakers, you got your He's money's worth. He's already delivered. I don't already, care if they win another got, finals. Right. You already. So with him and what he sacrifices as far as these one-year deals, two-year deals, those are risky deals. Those aren't regular deals because you have to keep yourself in shape. One injury, the money gone. I saw where recently uh, one of LeBron's trainers, David Alexander, he's uh, got this gym called DBC in Miami. So he started with Dwayne Wade and then he started training LeBron. He pointed out that Russell Wilson for the Seahawks spends a million dollars a year on recovery and just on his body to keep it healthy. Right. He's never missed a game due to injury. LeBron spends like a million and a half a year on working out, recovery, training, nutrition, all that. And he rarely gets hurt, rarely gets beat right. up. And he he pointed he made a good point on this post. He said, you know, that million dollars for Russell Wilson really turned into like a hundred million. Right. It was all said and done through endorsements you was able to do. Investing in yourself. Yes. That's what I think people get that check and don't invest in themselves. Okay, I got enough money. I'm I'm good now. Jason Kidd said something uh, when he played for the Mavericks and they won the title back in 2011 when they beat the Heat that year. Somebody said, man, you're like pushing 40 and everything else. Like, How are you able to still play at at the level you are and are the games wearing you down? He said something made the most sense. He goes, it's not the games that wear you down. It's what you do in between the games. The games is easy. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's what, what you, you do off, off the court. That's why Mayweather, he never drank. Right. Mayweather, he'll go out to a club, but he's drinking water. He ain't, yeah. No alcohol in the system. Man. You know I mean? These yeah. other guys be part That shit catches up with you, boy. Oh, it's, it's, it's going to catch up with you. Yeah. you know? Why are you it's, looking at me like that? I'm drinking a lot. I'm sorry, too. I had a hip-hop legend on. I, I had an oat milk latte. No, nah, so it's I cool. just really... Downgraded this. Yeah, I'm just thinking about drinking with, with Gary last night. It almost caught up with me when it was time what for that about? walk this morning. <laughs> Russ, <laughs> listen to whatever Russell said. Well, Russell told me last night, he goes, Yo, we're going to drink tonight because we don't know where the country's headed. So we're going to drink. And then I was like, I said, Russ, why is it every time I'm at your house, I'm having drinks, man? I, don't, I rarely drink when I come to LA. And he said, Because you can let your guard down here. There's, right. you know, you can almost like, Oh, you can decompress and you know you're amongst friends. There's no hidden agenda and everything else. And you get a fucking private DJ. Yeah, that's... that's <laughs> you put on Little River Band last night. I was yeah. like, oh, you took me back. <laughs> yeah, I was like, so Ness, you going to DJ tonight? Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, if that's what you want, we we do that. Yeah, we did all we, 90s. 
Yeah, we did 90s, and then I got up at 6.30 in the morning and was like, hey, man, I don't feel like Took your walk? Forward. Yeah, I did the walk. I do two miles a day just to do it, just two mm-hmm. miles, two miles. Just a routine, nothing strenuous, nothing crazy, just walk, walk, mm-hmm. walk, walk, walk. It's, I slept. Uh, yeah, Sorry lucky, about that. lucky you. Yeah, you I know? slept in. So then he gets up in the morning. Yo, you ready? <laughs> I'm like that too. <laughs> My wife gets so mad at me because there's no hesitation. It's like I get dressed, get a shower, I'm at the door, like let's go. And they're yeah. like, can you give us like ten minute warning? What? I'm ready. You guys but, should be ready. But Gary knows I'm I'm an early bird. Man, every said, time. You the only rapper I know that ever be up this early. <laughs> I was like, you ain't real hip hop. Real hip hop goes to bed at six thirty, not wake up at six thirty. I sleep. I sleep anywhere to three to five hours. I can't sleep eight hours. I wake up. If I can't go to sleep, I think of something constructive to do until I get mm-hmm. tired again. Then I go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. But I can't sleep eight hours. I don't know how people do that. Yeah, I love it. I don't. I don't. I rarely get eight hours. But when I do, I'm like this, God dang. Nah, but you traveling, traveling. I, I've i come back off the road and just totally crashed out, laid in mm-hmm. bed with the remote all day. I did yeah. one of those. But when you constantly traveling, people don't understand that takes a toll on you. Like mm-hmm. people's like, yo, well, what is it like to tour? And I tell people, well, okay, you land. Let's say I wake up 7, 8 in the morning, airport. At like, let's say nine ten, you land at one o'clock. You do lunch, get ready for sound check. Sound check is at four or five o'clock, maybe six. You do dinner after that, and you run back to the hotel, try to get a nap. You at the club at eleven twelve. I do the show. I sell my merch, sign autographs. That's till three in the morning. You back at the hotel. By like 3.30, and then you get up and do that all over again. And you do it every day, depending if you got back-to-back. It's times I've did 14 shows in 14 days where you follow that. That beats up on you. Yeah, and all the coke you're doing. What? (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) Uh, That's one thing I could say. uh, I've never done them hard drugs. It never really went past weed. Me neither. And weed, you know, with weed, like, I can smoke with women. can't smoke with dudes. You Why know, is that? People always say that. Because once you're seeing a dude licking all over the, 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 the blunt, <laughs> it, it destroys everything. You do. Uh... Yeah, yo. You ready to smoke with me? No, I'm straight. I'm good. <laughs> I am good. You know, people never got it. You know, why you don't? But when you see them sometime in the morning, you know they just woke up. And, yeah. uh, morning breath and all that. I didn't think about that. Oh, my God. It's funny. Maybe it wasn't skunk weed. Maybe it was just the dude's breath that made it bad. I thought it was the weed. Could have been his yeah, breath was humming. So I so, never went past weed. Weed and liquor, that is. And, and I do some edibles, but that, that falls in line with, with Yeah, weed. CBD, too. Yeah, so don't you sleep and your joints feel better? Yeah, I'm a. I've become a very much an ad advocate of that. Take one a night before you go to bed. You almost feel a little better in the morning. When I really want to go to sleep, they got the drops you put under your tongue for like ten minutes, and mm-hmm. you're done. You mm-hmm. go to sleep. No, CBD is just a new miracle. They mm-hmm. don't promote it like that, but man, I I had that uh, ointment. Mm-hmm. Rubbed it on my knees. It was like maybe, maybe two thousand milligrams or twenty five hundred, whatever it was. It sat in there a couple of minutes, and hey, man, I felt like I could run three full courts or something. Hmm. It was good. Nice. He said, "Nice." <laughs> <laughs> so Saturday brunch. Saturday brunch. Instagram is at the is it at the same time every Saturday or different times? Uh no, it's just twelve o'clock, nine o'clock this time, West Coast. West time, Coast, noon East 12 Coast. Twelve o'clock um East Coast time. And it's just it's a good vibe, you know. You uh just, you look at the uh, you look at the people like requesting songs as you're doing nah, it? I don't I don't do that. That's like mm. crazy. Cause when you do clubs you got everybody on the floor dancing. It's that one person with that awkward request. They ask for a song. 
Now, mind you, you're at 100 BPM. People jamming. This motherfucker asking for a song that's in 80 BPMs. That you know, as soon as you throw this shit on, you're going to clear the club for this one person. Mm -hmm. Now, if you offer me a stack or something, you put a band up there, that that can probably happen. So people like literally will give you like $1,000 to play a song at a club? No, I'm just saying, if you give me a band. Oh, okay. You know, that, I'll, like $5. That I'll make that song work, but I'm not going to make that song work, clear my dance floor. Like, come on, man. Here's $10. Then they don't even marks. dance. They just sit there and nod their head yeah. like, yeah, you played my shit. Yeah. No. Man. I wouldn't. I just not want you to play some other shit. Take me back. Man. Can you put on James Taylor? Thank you. Here's $10. What? <laughs> <laughs> sweet, sweet Caroline. Thank you. <laughs> I have to go into a yacht rock set, try to slide that in there. Oh, that's my whole neighborhood. Every my neighborhood when we hang out in backyards, it's all yacht rock. Yeah, completely. like I grew up on Hall of Notes. I grew up on that's the, the Doobie Brothers. I, I grew up on uh, Bob Skaz, Bobby Caldwell. Yeah, everybody thought he was black. Yeah, yeah. Nah, dude's white as shit. Yeah, I'm, I'm missing some my Billy Joe. Yeah, Billy Joe. I, I grew up on on all that stuff. I'm Kenny Loggins. Like I, it, it's coming. to Kenny's me. Kenny's got jams, boy. Back in the '80s, Top Gun, BGs. Over the Top, Jesus Christ. BG. So I'm used to to that realm, and I like to play it. Just to you know, I can do that. That's one thing about Saturday brunch is I get to play all that classic type stuff mm-hmm. and get people vibing out take you to different parts i could play 80s i could play i could play basically anything is there one artist that you haven't worked with that you'd want to like if they said you could work with anybody in the world one artist you haven't worked with that you want to work with i would say stevie wonder really I, i'm gonna go off the genre because people automatically think rap yeah hmm, rap and stevie I've worked with uh, Roy Ayers before, one of my favorite. Um, I'm into that classic type music. Those are my heroes. Mm-hmm. Patrice Russian. I don't even know who that is. Oh, my God. Who's Patrice Russian? Patrice Russian. I'm sorry about that. Did I just disrespect oh, you? One of the greatest one of the greatest composers, writers, female. Patrice uh, Russian? Yes, I'm going to have to put you. I'm going to play that. I have to play tonight. some of that tonight. Yeah. Yes. And then when you hear it, you're going to go, that was her? Yeah. One record that you know already is is You Remind Me. The, See, from the 90s? You're thinking about Mary. Yeah, but I definitely. Patrice did it before Mary. Like, not uh-huh. that version, but she wrote You Remind Me. Huh. Yes. I learned a lot today. I learned you're not from Atlanta. <laughs> I learned your brunch is on Saturday. And You Remind Me was not Mary J. See, I learned a lot today. Well, that is married, but, you know, it's Patrice Russian. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Help me out today. You didn't have to. Appreciate you you having me. And I'll see you tonight. We're going to have a little DJ session with Patrice Russian. Right. We're going to be on Instagram Live tonight. Right. Won't be tonight here, but. uh, (laughs) Saturday. Saturday. All right, man. Appreciate you, man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Thanks, man.